The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to the beginning of a four-week series of talks on the Four Noble Truths. And I will be offering talks uh, each week on one of the Noble Truths. And today, this week, will be the first Noble Truth. And, uh, and today I'll say some introductory words about the Four Noble Truths in general. The Four Noble Truths are... Um, um, for many people, many oftentimes said to be the core teachings of Buddhism. And um, when I was studying Zen in Japan, uh, I was given a kind of a primer for may- maybe high school students. I, I was living in the monastery in Japanese, a book in Japanese about um, Buddhism. And uh, I talked about how um, the Four Noble Truths uh, were the core teachings of Buddhism and that it claimed that even a child could understand what they are, but only, but even an old person who with lots of life experience um, might not understand the depths of how str- powerful these are and how significant they are in their life. And I think that there's something like that is true because the Four Noble Truths are an ever-developing, growing series of insights, ways, perspectives for understanding our life. And uh, there's not just one teachings on the Four Noble Truths. There are many of them in the different life circumstances. And in the history of Buddhism, there are different interpretations, different applications of these Four Noble Truths, different elaborations of how they apply to all kinds of areas of our life. And that idea that there's different elaborations goes back really to the ancient times as well. And so uh, it's a kind of a, a um, the Four Noble Truths are kind of a wonderful framework within which to begin uh, studying our lives, looking at our life in a deep way. And in that regard, one of the uh, uh, one of the teachings around these four noble truths are that there are tasks, a particular task for each one. And um, and so I'll talk about that in a few moments. So the four noble truths uh, have to do about suffering, suffering and the end of suffering. And Maybe it's not a coincidence that the discussion about now suffering and taking a good look at suffering follows the week, last week, where we talked about care. Care is a kind of love, kind of compassion, kind of uh, goodwill, a caringness for ourselves, and to be rooted in our care uh, as an approach to look at suffering and, and uh, to do so in a caring way, and caring for ourselves that uh, for human beings, suffering is a deep, I wouldn't say exactly inherent part of life, but just about inherent part of life. It's really central to the human experience, one way or the other. And, um, and to value our human lives, to value, value our lives, to value the lives of others, 
to care for ourselves and to care for others um, is to care for their, our, our, our suffering, our personal suffering, suffering of others, and our collective suffering as well. And how to do it from some place of groundedness, of centeredness, of non-reactivity. Uh, how to do it in a wise way, in a way that leads to a better future, freedom from suffering. It said that the Buddha, when um, he was going to uh, addressing his suffering, the suffering that he encountered, that he was searching, and his search was considered the noble search. And uh, this idea that uh, there's a nobility or a dignity or a worthiness in the very addressing and meeting suffering and finding a way through it and coming to their side, that this is not suffer so we become greater victims of suffering or to diminish ourselves, but there's really kind of a, 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 a kind of a, a, a growth, a growth in dignity and nobility and happiness. For the Buddha said that uh, when he was looking for the alternative to suffering, he was looking for happiness. He was looking for a long-term happiness, which we can understand to be happiness that's not dependent on the vagaries and the changing circumstances of our life that uh, we're kind of tossed around in the seas of change. And um, so to, um, you know, to address this topic we're going to do for these next four weeks on the foundation of last week of care. And also if uh, those of you who've been doing all these uh, seven weeks now of these early morning sittings, if you remember that the first week began on the topic of faith, the whole week on faith. And, um, and that's also kind of considered as a foundation for looking at suffering. And, um, and that one of the meanings in English uh, of belief, etymologically, kind of the early meaning of the word belief, which I like to resurrect and kind of uh, call forth as we look at suffering, is that uh, belief originally meant um, to have a belief meant to, to have something that you loved. What was beloved uh, is kind of what uh, belief originally meant. So what is your beloved? What is it you love? That the idea that care and love is, not a, uh, is, is a deep, heartfelt involvement with this, the topic that's really touching something deep inside, as opposed to looking at it as a series of propositions, series of tenets of Buddhism that you, ha- you know, you have to believe, you know, in some terms of uh, adhere to as a creed or something. But we're talking about something, hopefully, that will touch us all deeply in, in, uh, in some deep, uh, uh, um, I, I, I like the word tender, tender spot within, where uh, our value, our nobility, our dignity, our worthiness has a chance to uh, really touch and feel and experience the full depth of the challenges and the potentials we have as human beings. So um, the uh, we use uh, this word suffering a lot in talking about Buddhism and the Four Noble Truths. And uh, it's possible it's not the best translation for the word dukkha, um, but it's a translation I'll use today since it's the most common one. And tomorrow I'll talk about an alternative. And um, the, um, But I want to say that some people hear the word suffering and immediately think about the big suffering of life. 
and um, and it does seem maybe a little bit not relevant for how they're going about their daily life, perhaps. And it seems over, overwhelming to hear the word. Uh, the words, the word dukkha, uh, translated as suffering, is meant to be the full range of ways in which we um, feel stress and feel distress and are challenged by this life of ours, from the smallest to the greatest. And the idea being that. Uh, that uh, if we study it and look deeply into the suffering, we can find an alternative. We can find a different way of living in the world where something about how we suffer doesn't have to be there. And what that is, is part of the exploration discussion and hopefully experiencing that uh, we'll do as we go through these four weeks. Um, One of the... But you know, the word dukkha as as suffering does also point to the large, big uh, sufferings that we have, the ones that are most challenging for us, that maybe is not part of our ordinary everyday sometimes, but the the ones that sooner or later that we will encounter and we can kind of anticipate that we'll encounter or, or the kind of things that sometimes when we're young we don't think about so much, some of us, uh, the Buddha was said to have lived a life of pr- privilege and protection and luxury, and he didn't really know about the large existential challenges of sickness, old age, and death. And um, and uh, it was when he kind of escaped from the palace, as the myth goes, and saw sickness, old age, and death for the first time, supposedly as a man who was 27 years old. Imagine you know, living protected from life for that long. And um, and it maybe because it was, he was so, so protected, it came as a shock to him. And maybe for some of you, you've been shocked by your encounter with these things. That uh, sometimes there are sudden losses and deaths and changes and that happen that turn our lives upside down. And I like to think that Buddhism, uh, the Buddha, designed the Dharma. Um, not so much as a place to deal with the everyday stresses of life, certainly that it uh, addresses, but in fact really to prepare us or to help us, support us, to really address with care, with maybe love, with uh, rootedness, with uh, groundedness, with steadiness, with courage, uh, 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 be prepared for the biggest uh, uh, challenges that come in this uh, existentially in this life, and in this regard, uh, the Buddha said that um, you know one of the one of the kind of definitions or kind of of suffering, not definition perhaps, but uh, when he laid out uh, some of the uh, uh, I don't know if synonym is the right word, but some of the examples of um, what he's addressing when he talks about suffering, uh, he used. Um, it's powerful words. And so I want to read these words to you in the English translation. Uh, grief, mourning, pain, distress, and anguish. Grief, mourning, pain, distress, and anguish. And in looking at the Four Noble Truths, we're looking at the truths of grief, mourning, pain, distress, and anguish. And we're seeing that these powerful things are doorways, are vehicles, are 
conduits to something that is on the other side of them. Something, something that the Buddha called freedom or peace. But not disrespecting these things, but rather maybe that what uh, Dharma practice is, a very deep respect and acknowledgement and seeing these things to really t- understand them well. And, um, and so we're, tend- we're stepping into tender areas, difficult areas, challenging areas. And so we have to do it with a lot of care and faith and stability and groundedness <clears throat> to really do this in an effective way. Without this, um, um, uh, you know, bec- and so anyway, so, um, uh, so this idea of a simple presence of connectivity, of groundedness as we look at this is really a central aspect of all this and not to only talk about this in the abstract or or as if it's easy to do all this stuff. What's interesting in this list and in many of the lists the Buddha has uh, that somehow explicate uh, what dukkha is, suffering, fear is not mentioned. And um, and uh, and I you know I don't know why why that is, except maybe fear by itself uh, is uh, not always exactly a problem. It doesn't always arise out of attachment and clinging. That there is healthy fear and appropriate fear and biological fear that exists that, uh, you know, is not, you know, uh, you know, the fear of survival is not necessarily rooted in greed, hate, and delusion or attachment. It's kind of a core thing in human life. However, the Buddha did say that um, the world of clinging, the world of our attachments, is something that people uh, that gives rise to tremendous fear. So, to really delve into th- these deep topics of the Four Noble Truths is also to address f- fear or the kind of fear that is rooted in attachment. So that's kind of not so far away from what we're doing here. So a few more minutes here, if I may. Um, so the Four Noble Truths. Uh, in the early layer of Buddhism that's described in the teachings of the Buddha, uh, scholars will say that there's, you know, different layers of how these truths were laid out. And the earliest layer was very simple. It said, this is suffering. This is the arising of suffering. This is the cessation of suffering, the end of suffering. And this is the practice leading to the cessation of suffering. So it's very simple and direct. The second, uh, then later, the word truth was added. This is the truth (coughs) of suffering. This is the truth (coughs) of the arising of suffering. This is the truth (coughs) of the... This is the truth of the cessation of suffering, and this is the truth of the practice leading to the cessation of suffering. Then later, and this word uh, noble was added, this is the noble truth of suffering. This is the noble truth of the <clears throat> arising of suffering. This is a noble truth of the cessation of suffering. And this is a noble truth of the practice leading to the cessation of suffering. And uh, what we find is that uh, these wonderful statements, little formulas, have no pronouns to them. And I personally am very inspired by this that the idea of addressing suffering 
um, is not directional, it's wherever we encounter it. Certainly the suffering we have in ourselves is a place we can take the most responsibility, the place we can delve most deeply into the very roots of what it's all about. But it also addresses the, the suffering that we encounter in the world, and that's also something that we want to attend to and understand and look at. And, um, and so as we go through these Four Noble Truths, we, don't want to, we want to be inclusive of the world and have our practice be part and parcel of the well-being and, and uh, freedom and happiness of all beings. And so I want to end with um, a statement which certainly is, uh, uh, has a great value for me and as we begin this study of the Four Noble Truths. And, um, and whether how universal it is, you, we can maybe discuss some other time. But, um, and um, so this is the statement. Your suffering is my suffering. My suffering is your suffering. Their suffering is our suffering. Our suffering is their suffering. Your welfare is my welfare. My welfare is your welfare. Their welfare is our welfare. Our welfare is your welfare. Let's care for the welfare of all. Thank you. <laughs>